0: Hello, Motown Philly family. You all need to know that this podcast is sponsored by The Speaker's Mechanic. The Speaker's Mechanic is a business enterprise of my co-host, Jason Hall, who is a communication skills coach, and he's also published author of a book called A Vocal Owner's Manual. He works with professionals who are looking to improve their communication skills. And I guarantee you that if you work with him, he will improve yours. Check out his book on Amazon. Again, it's called a vocal owner's manual and you will be certain once you check him out to improve and get better because here at Motown Philly, that's what we're all about. And that's what his brand, the speakers mechanic is all about. Thanks so much for tuning in and thanks to the speakers mechanic for this sponsorship. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Motown Philly podcast. This is your co-host, Tim Golden, here with my co-host. It's your boy, Jason Hall. What up, though, y'all? Indeed, indeed. Jason Hall with what up, though? That fabulous, fantastic, fantabulous Detroit colloquialism. Jason Hall is the Motown in Motown, Philly. Your boy, Tim Golden, is the Philly in Motown, Philly. And we are here with episode 36. That's right, folks. For 36 weeks straight, we've been giving y'all the content that's needed in this podcast world. And we ain't about to stop no time soon. We're going to keep it coming. Today, we have a great episode for you. But before we do anything, we'd like to acknowledge how thankful we are for all of you, our listening audience. And for that, I'm gonna pass it off to my man Jay. Jay, tell the people. Tell the
1: people how thankful we are. Got to give the people. Give the people what they want. Listen, guys, you guys are amazing. The interaction that you guys have with us in our in our facebook group in our um motown philly facebook group the the conversations that we have there ever so grateful the reviews that we get the shadows that we get from friends and family from new people yo we're loving it all and we're so grateful for it we just want to acknowledge take this time to acknowledge you without you there is no us so we appreciate every listen every every moment that you spend in your spare time, or even in your busy time to listen to this particular podcast. You are the family that we see and that we don't see that we interact with and those that just listen silently. We appreciate each and every one of you, the downloads that you have, the time that you spend with us forever grateful. Keep it up, share this with, with any family, any friends, anybody who you believe that what we're talking about might resonate with them ever so grateful keep it up we love you guys yes we do we love y'all
0: so much and jason my sentiments exactly gratitude is the first principle here at the motown philly podcast where we don't take anything for granted we just thank are thankful that you make us part of your lives whether you're doing laundry driving driving around town running errands you doing whatever you have to do we're just so honored and privileged to be a part of your lives in the way that you incorporate us into what you do every day. So along with Jason, I want to also say thank you. And I also want to encourage all of you to come to continue to download, to set those notifications on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. download, sign up for notifications, make sure you keep listening and please share widely keep on downloading folks the more downloads we have the better we do and we're just trying to go to the top together and we thank you for being such a great listening audience please go to the motown philly facebook group i'm gonna be in there soon very soon and Commenting and talking about some things we're doing. And so please come on in the Facebook group and join us there. Well, today, Jason, on episode 36 of the Motown Philly podcast, we have something that I think is provocative today mm. and there's some nuance to it. And so, what I'm going to try to do is set up our conversation by putting forward a hypothesis or a thesis, okay. an idea. And I'm going to give some commentary on the idea. And then I want to get your perspective. And then from that point on, we just like denial. We just like a river. We just flow and flow and flow. And that's what we do. You know, not we denial. We, are, are we in denial or is this about no, denial? No, 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 we ain't in denial. <laughs> we about to be like the Nile. Oh, okay. Oh, flowing, flowing like a river. Absolutely. so so here's the idea Jason here's the basic thesis mm-hmm. self-consciousness and self-awareness are two different things really I think so okay think so and and you I'll let you and our listeners be the judge okay self to be self-conscious is in some sense to be inhibited. And to be inhibited is to not be completely free to be who you are. Whereas to be self-aware is to understand who you are, where you are, where you are in relations to in relation to others, who you are in relation to others, and whereas self-consciousness contributes to inhibition. Or we might say self-consciousness is inhibitive. Self-awareness is liberatory. Mm-hmm. So let's let's dig into this. Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. When when I began my training as an actor over 10 years ago, mm-hmm. The first thing I learned in acting class was that you and I and all of our listeners, everybody who's listening to this, everyday people, Mm -hmm. we unconsciously walk around restricted and inhibited by things that society tells us we are supposed to do, by standards that society tells us how we are supposed to be, how we're supposed to comport ourselves, how we're supposed to act. And within this morass of societal norms and conventions, we live in a world where we don't dare, for the most part, transgress those conventions. And to be inhibited in that way is to be self-conscious. Now, there's nothing wrong with following society's rules. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not here to say that we all have to just go off the deep end and do whatever we want. But what I am here to say is that self-consciousness, particularly in religious contexts, which tend to heap on more expectations and Mm -hmm. more burdens.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And more layers to your persona Mm -hmm. Can prevent us from getting at the core Of who we really are as people And when you add on all the various layers To our identities With each of those layers Comes a bevy of expectations Mm -hmm. Comes expectations that weigh us down Expectations that tell us that certain things are right, certain things are wrong, you're not supposed to do this, you're not supposed to do that. For example, if if you're a man in the church, you're supposed to stay married, you you can't get divorced,
2: mm-hmm. you
0: have to be a provider for everyone else at the expense of yourself, mm-hmm. right? You have to play. The zero-sum game of being like Jesus because Jesus died so others can live. So you have to do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, women women face similar expectations on them. If you're not married by a certain age, you're going to be an old maid. Mm-hmm. If you don't have kids or if you can't have kids, then maybe you're less of a woman, right? Mm-hmm. So we all, men and women, we live under these, under this banner of expectations and it's how we navigate those expectations that lets us know how self-conscious we are. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you know, we go through things and as a man, again, I speak from a man's point of view, uh, maybe a woman could say the same thing about having a baby. The longer I stay married, the better, no matter how bad I'm being treated. as As a woman, maybe I have to, you know, I feel like I have to rush to get pregnant no matter if the guy is a good guy or not. Right? Right. I, in other words, we're put in positions, self-consciousness sometimes forces us to compromise who we really are for the sake of who society says we ought to be. In contrast, self-awareness tells us Self-awareness is the first step to liberation, because self-awareness raises the question of what am I doing?
1: Yeah, I was going to say why I was going to say, why, why do you why do you say that? Like, why is this the first step to liberation? Because it forces us to question ourselves and
0: ask, why am I doing this? Why am I so stressed about this? Am I stressed about this because this is something I want to do? Or am I stressed about this because of someone else's expectations of me?
1: So what is the question? Is there question? What is the question that you would ask just for clarification? Of course, what is the question that you would ask if you're self-conscious and in maybe inter- in in some way, interacting in similar similar situations? Are question you asking that, yourself questions at The
0: question all? that you would ask yourself if you're self-conscious is why haven't I had children yet? Why, why haven't, why, why haven't I done this?
1: Or, or yeah, or you don't ask any questions at all. Or what about this question? Like, what will they think? What will they think? Right. Because you're essentially living for other people. Uh, they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's what in, I'm understanding.
0: In, in, in a state of self-consciousness, you're actually living for other people. And the, the genius of the theater and artistic performance is that when you are playing a character on stage it forces you to cut through all of those in all of those unhealthy societal expectations and inhibitions and it forces you to a level of vulnerability where you have to just be you i was in an acting class one time and the acting teacher started off every class with a soul train dance line and she would play music and everybody had to go down the soul train line and do their dance and here i come tim golden lawyer academic philosopher one identity after another black man gotta be dignified gotta be articulate what's the first lesson i had to learn to let all of that go Mm. to let all of that go so i can get to the core of who I need to be so I can portray this character. When you talk to actors, Jason, the great actors, actors like Denzel Washington, Giancarlo Esposito, Anthony Hopkins, they'll tell you that they like to people watch. And I saw an interview with Giancarlo Esposito. For those of you who don't know who he is, he played Gus Fring on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And he's just a phenomenal actor. For those of you who are older, he's the actor who played Bugging Out, 34 years ago in, in Spike Lee's do the right thing. And what he says is he says, when I people watch, you know who I watch. And the interviewer said, who he said, I watch old people because they don't care what anybody thinks about them. They eat the way they want to eat. They say what they want to say. They do what they want to do. And he said, that's what makes for a great actor. A great actor has to be able to cut through all of those layers. And, and do that. And I think the first step to that is the level of self-awareness where you ask yourself the hard question, why am I doing this? Instead of asking, what are they going as you nicely said, what are they going to think? Or instead of not asking any questions at all and living your life in misery, shame, and humiliation, because you haven't accomplished things that nobody else really cares about, but you. And the only reason you care about them is because you don't want other people looking down on you because of their expectations. Jay, take this away, man.
1: I just I I think you're 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 hitting on all the cylinders when you when you're trying to conceptual conceptualize these two ideas, I think in both paradigms, you're asking questions Uh, when you are when you're when you're under the umbrella of Uh, like navigating or moving in a world of of developing yourself in self-awareness you're asking yourself who am i what is who am i to my core what do i believe why am i doing this what what real value am i adding to not just myself to maybe some you know the the environment that you're that you exist in other people who are in your uh, sphere of influence like it's, it's it's more of an essential questioning that you are critical thinking about you know what am i what just what am i doing and why am i doing it and i think When it comes to self-consciousness, I think there's also just a realm of questions that you go through, but they're less about, like you said, like critical thinking as to what am I doing, what am I doing and how am I doing it? It's more, what would they think if they knew I was doing this or what would they think if I did this or maybe I shouldn't do this because they would think this, you know, think that or this and your govern, you know, it could be, it can be the traditions of your own like genealogy or traditions of your family. And it's just how we did because this is how we did things. It's because we did these things and because they did these things are my fathers or my parents before me like, or my family, I'm just going to keep doing it without the critical thought. So I'm going to operate under the umbrella of, I know what their expectations were for me, good or bad, healthy or unhealthy. I'm just going to, to live my life through the, 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 the viewpoint or the lenses of what they would have me to do which in other words says i i don't really get to have an opinion or i don't really get to have an idea um or even a north star to what i want what i want out of my own life so it's like your parents could be dead and gone but they might have put on you a certain expectation of whatever healthy or non-healthy and it's just like, but and it is your job to live that out, whether it actually resonates with you or is beneficial for you and or your family or those who are around you. And they're not even there to kind of give any type of input uh, to, to the things that they have placed in your own psyche and personality and things just the way in which you view the world, your own personal worldview, basically.
0: Yeah. So here that's that's well said, Jason, you don't you don't really have an opinion because you're not reflecting on what you
1: think you're reflecting on what others are going to think of you. How do we get my question to you is how do we get how you and I came from a certain background? Like, how do we combat that? How did we get there? Of course, we were under a certain realm of influence, but. How do you, how did we get there? How do you break out of it? How do you walk forward circumspectfully thinking, like, yo, I'm, I, this is, I need to be able to be an independent thinker.
0: You, you have to be, you have to be self aware before, before
1: we get there, because hmm. that's, that's that's a a question question. that's like a watershed question (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, let me bring it let me bring it back because no 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 i I don't even like when you when you think when you think about self-consciousness i almost don't like the idea of it because i i just believe it's a it's a very unhealthy way to 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 move in your life when you're often or always thinking about what they would say or what they would think if i were to and it's almost like, really? Oh, it, it grades at me, bro. Right. It grades at me, too.
0: And listen, understand this, folks. We're not saying that self consciousness is always wrong in every circumstance. Right. So Definitely. Please don't take it that way. There are times when you do need to be concerned about what people are going to think. Mm. Right. This is not the kind of, we don't want y'all to go out and buy a t-shirt with a giant middle finger on it and start walking around, you know, and just doing whatever you want to do, right? That's not what we're talking about. Instead, what we're talking about is when the level of societal inhibition and inhibitions are so strong and so layered that the questions you're asking yourself are all questions about how you can best please other people to the exclusion of questions about the real nitty gritty of what you're doing. Why am I doing this? Why do I, why do I persist in this world? Why am I frustrated? Right? Because when you live your life for other people and when the, the, inhibitive self-consciousness that comes with layer upon layer of social identity is so strong that the only questions you're asking are questions about the needs of others to the exclusion of the needs of yourself. That's when it's time for some sort of intervention. So back now to your question, Jason, how do we break out of that? I don't think that there is any one answer to this question, Jason, because there are as many answers to this question as there are people living their lives for other people. There are as many answers to this question as there are people mired in the personal and social dysfunction of layers of identity and expectations such that they can't even begin to look at themselves let alone ask themselves so every person i think my point is every person is going to have a different journey right Right. for me that sort of question came to me a question about what i'm doing came to me when i was reflecting On why I always felt nervous. Why did I always feel scared? Why did I always feel anxious? Why did I always feel afraid? Why at times in my life that are supposed to be celebrated Mm -hmm. as the height of my accomplishments or other things of that nature why do i feel the total opposite of what the occasion seems to demand of me and it was there that i began to unearth my own dysfunction right which put me in a state of self-consciousness that was so deep it took some questions of self-awareness again Why am I doing this? Who am I trying to please? What is the point of me doing what I'm doing? Why am I worried about this? Why am I worried about this thing in this way? Mm -hmm. Why is this keeping me up at night? Right. Right. It was when I began to ask those questions that I began to see that maybe I was in too deep. Mm -hmm. and, And then when I took my first acting class, and, and shout out to one of the best acting teachers ever in the history of, of theater, cinema, whomever. I, I absolutely love her. And she taught me so much that I know about acting. Two two women, actually, Amina Robinson and Ina Farrell. Okay. Uh, two phenomenal actors. Uh, one yeah. is Ina, Ina's a playwright. And the things that they have taught me about the importance of being vulnerable, being open, being not being inhibited on stage, doing what's necessary to tell the story, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing really helped me along with me asking those sorts of questions to be able to begin to dig my way out of that. That that was my journey. What was your was your journey, Jason? Where did you begin to see the light, so to speak?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think it was probably. Um, if I'm honestly, you know, I thank you for that question. I think it's, 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 it feels like a very personal question, but maybe, maybe it can help somebody. So I'm just, I'm going to do my best to be vulnerable, um, and, and share, I think towards the end of my marriage, like, and I really, one of the reasons that I I say that it was towards the end, it was probably around the time that I was feeling that I started to ask questions about why do, why, this is what I have. It's called a marriage. It's called a relationship. You know, it's the core nucleus of a family having children at that time, or had had having had children at that time, I, as a, as a man, as a husband, as a father, I was wondering why in the, why in the world when it should have been so good as a family unit, I felt so disconnected. I felt, I felt so unhealthy. I felt so not well internally and the word non-congruent is coming, is coming up from, from inside. Like I just, I knew what it looked like, but I know I also in a more deeper way, I knew what it felt like and what it felt like. It wasn't good. And when I looked at what it was or what it appeared to be and me knowing what it, I actually was feeling like, I knew something was wrong and it, it, it festered in me. It festered in me so much, the non congruency. Oh, this is what we were. This is what we looked like maybe we look like the Huxtables and that's just, you know, you, you have a nuclear family, family, of uh, a boy, a girl, a uh, beautiful boy, beautiful girl, and two successfully p- successful professionals, black professionals in this world. And, and nice house, nice car, great friend group, churching it up, bruh, bruh, your boy was feeling like smut, Like smut in the fact that Like I said What what I was feeling Wasn't congruent with what the actual picture was And when that Started to happen And I felt like I was losing myself And that so it just didn't It was a lot of not good feelings And it was then and there That I had to To try to make sense Of my life Because I was Very, I guess, I thought I was self-aware, but I was probably the farthest thing from it. I was probably more self-conscious, meaning I cared about like the the optics of what it looked like. Um, And but that didn't feel good. So it was then and there that I sought, you know, therapy for myself. And it was a beautiful yet hurtful experience because I laid myself open and bare, naked from the inside out and started to divulge the inner parts of me that you know when it comes to what we do on this co- on this podcast with communication, connection and and community, I started for the first time hearing my own expression verbalized outside of me to an you know to a non-biased party and it was like a vomiting of all the dysfunctions, if you will, on the floor so that, you know, they can be dis this um they can be exposed. And with that experience time after time, as I went and was in therapy for a year, um before my divorce and separation. Like it was, it was a sad, but good time because I was, I was literally, I was literally finding myself in a lot of ways. And the questions that I never asked myself and never had another set of eyes on me to really figure out a lot of my dysfunctional behavior, a lot of my, 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 my own past ideology that came from church, it came from society, it came from traditions of, of my own family and family that I've learned from, uh, you know, from, you know, just from being in other um, friend groups or whatever. Like a lot of that stuff, it was like a dismantling of me in a lot of ways. And it felt oh so, oh so good, oh so bad at the same time. But it was then in that moment for me that I became more self-aware and less self-conscious. And it, it's a beautiful, ugly experience. Wow. Wow. That's such a powerful
0: description, Jason. It's a beautiful, ugly experience. You know, as you were talking, I was th- and especially as you ended your commentary just now on your own experience and you refer to it as beautiful, ugly, the imagery that comes to mind is the demolition of a building or a room that's under renovation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look good during the process. But in the end, you can't do new construction on a place where there's already a building until you tear down what's there. And I think so often for both of us, for me and for you, we had to undergo a tearing down, a raising, if you will, a raising. We had to raise our layers of self-consciousness unhealthy, uh, inhibitive identities to the ground. And we had to clear the ground and then we had to say, well, now it's time to rebuild from the ground up. And again, while everybody's experience will be different. One of the things that I think is the same across the board is that for anyone who is trying to make the shift from being, self-conscious to being self-aware, it is necessary that you undergo this project of renovation, this project, because there is the old you, the inhibited self-conscious you, the you that prevents you from being you is like an old building. It becomes an eyesore to your soul that has to be torn down, And you have to clear the area. And now you get to start over. Now the work begins anew. And for me, what that has looked like, Jason, is unlearning all of the unhealthy habits that I had that prevented me from authentically being me again, it isn't that I'm going around flouting social norms, digging up my nose in public, you know, just being uninhibited, it, that's not, again, that's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But what we are talking about is a healthy sense of self-awareness that prevents us from living our lives for other people and surrendering our
1: identities. Mm-hmm. To others, that's important, Tim. Like, you stay know, there. We, like, how do we it, do that? What do we? What does that look like? You know, what we're gonna do,
0: Jason. We're gonna explore that on the other side of this break. <laughs> but for now, we are going to take a break, Motown Philly family, because we want y'all to hear all the wonderful things folks are saying about the Motown Philly podcast. We will see you on the other side. Be right back. Hey, y'all, it's time for y'all to know and understand and appreciate what people are out here saying about the Motown Philly podcast. Jay, people are out here talking about us, man.
1: They out here.
0: They out here talking about us and they saying good things. Here's a five star review from Apple Podcasts. The subject is titled, the review is titled Right on Time quote i am thoroughly enjoying the motown philly podcast dr tim and jason have great chemistry and their content is what's needed in this space love the transparency and the topics please give them a listen you won't be disappointed thank you thank you thank you to this reviewer sir sharp thank you sir we love you and we appreciate you and y'all who are listening to this I'm telling you, get yourself on Apple Podcasts and write a review. Listen, so, Tim, look, I have one.
1: I got one. Can I can I get can I go? Yeah, I got yeah, one. Yeah. Share right. the love, Jake. Listen, listen love. So I we we I found another one and this one, this one's good. Refreshing information, five star review on this particular one by Honey Dip 34. Jake, you know who that might be? I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Well, listen, this sounds real sweet, though. I sound real sweet. This is what Honey Dip says It is awesome to hear men discussing real topics in a mature manner. This is for the grown and the sexy crowd. Good mm. job, Tim and
0: Jason man i'll take that i'll take that any day of the week and twice on sunday
1: listen guys we want you guys to go to apple specifically and write a review if you're listening to this we're encouraging you to go to apple and write a review for us that would be great
0: write a review for us and for those of you who are listening for the first time that's just something a little something to let you know what kind of content we're dishing out here at Motown Philly listen Jason and I are here to stay we're not going anywhere this podcast space is a space for us to engage and to leave the world to help to leave the world in a little bit of a better condition than when we found it thank you all for listening thank you all for your reviews thank you for your support Jay I love you and I am absolutely in love with our Motown Philly listening family All right, Jason. So we are back here on the Motown Philly podcast. And just before the break, we were talking about how important it is to not surrender ourselves completely to the expectations of our societal demands that are placed upon us. Right? If you're a woman, maybe you're expected to be married by a certain age and have children. If you're a man, maybe you're expected to put everyone else before yourself even when it when you end up doing yourself harm. There's expectations, I think, in in religious communities, particularly in Christian communities, in churches, for men and women to stay married no matter what the situation is. Even if the situation is physically abusive, I've always said, Jason, I find it hard to believe that a woman who says I do and exchanges wedding vows with a man is exchanging those vows with the expectation that even if he goes upside her head, she's going to have to stick around. I don't think people sign up for that when they get married right physical or emotional abuse yeah like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think and i don't think a man when he takes his wedding vows is is taking his wedding vows with the expectation that you know his wife is going to be able to talk to him any old kind of way and ain't nothing he can do about it he just going to have to go along with the program uh-uh. even if he even if he tells her he don't he don't want her to do that he wants her to stop doing that she gets to keep doing it with impunity and he's just supposed to get along with that. Mm. I, I'm sorry, I'll never I will never buy into that, right? I will never buy into those unreasonable expectations. But the point is, you know, we have these expectations. And and you, you said when I said surrender our identities, you said stay there, stay there. So let's talk about that, Jason. What what do you think it means to surrender yourself or to surrender your identity? over to societal or cultural or social expectations. I have my own ideas about it that come from philosophy, but I'd like to hear what you have to say.
1: I think when we speak about surrendering identities, I think that really like works for lack of a better word works but doesn't work under the umbrella of what is being when what is being self-conscious because when you're self-conscious you have your own personal belief systems however you don't uphold them or you don't you don't self this is a new word for self-support them not not supporting others, but you don't. So you don't have an opportunity to support the things that you believe in, the things that you are passionate about, the things that you have conviction over, or the things that in your own self feel some type of uncomfortableness about about um, whatever situation that you're in. So because you're not supporting yourself, you uh, because of these these self conscious. Ideals that you uphold For whatever reason You begin to In a lot of ways Lose your own identity Your own self uh, Your own Your own conscious belief systems To To a A a way of thinking That was put on you Or placed on you uh, Maybe Educationally Maybe like Tim said, because of religion, uh, maybe because of your family's expectation, all these expectations you're trying to live through uh, in 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 an inauthentic way because you're trying to to do something for someone else or uphold how something is supposed to look because somebody along the line has told you it should be like this regardless of how you feel regardless of your own personal beliefs so i mean when you say lose yourself in the identity i think that's less about what is self-aware and more about what is self-conscious like things are hurting you like you are in certain ways dying inside because you're not holding on to these core values that you're that you know is incongruent with who you are Or who you're aspiring to be It's just like yo my My mom wouldn't be happy Or the pastor said this Or that elder or, or or he said this or she said that Or that we just In our culture we just don't do that Well listen <laughs> Listen sis listen bro Like yo what's going on with you right now And how is that impacting you right now Like are you are Is this causing you to live in a very unhealthy way Um that is that is that is losing your identity when when your life whether whether um publicly or privately like there's turmoil inside and you are ignoring that turmoil because you're trying to uphold something you know is it fair to call um self-consciousness In a lot of ways like people pleasing or people pleasers like is that fair or does that
2: happen Mm -hmm.
1: i think i think it can be fair Mm
0: -hmm. i think i think every i agree with everything you said and i would just add this jason and you know this because you and i have been on a journey of self-discovery that is pretty much similar Mm -hmm. right the work of reconstruction After demolition is long, hard, tedious,
1: exhausting, frustrating work. So wait, wait, wait. Are you saying you can't we we can't flip this over in a day or a month or a couple of sessions? Not only am I saying you can't flip
0: it over in a day, a month or a couple of sessions. What I'm saying to you is that most people when exposed to the reality and the enormity of the task of self reconstruction would rather go back to a state of self-consciousness where they live for others because frankly that's more comfortable
1: that so, living for others is crazy because people don't even have to be living, and you still living for others.
0: Well, that's exactly right. So I have a couple of examples from philosophy, examples that I think will will, I think you will appreciate them, Jason, mm-hmm. because yeah. you have an interest in psychology. Um, I'm not a philosophy and philosophy, psychologist, uh, and, philosophy. Mm-hmm. and these these insights come from a 20th century philosopher named Jean Paul Sartre. And Jean-Paul Sartre gives two examples of what he calls existential inauthenticity or bad faith. Wow. Bad, bad faith is a lie that one tells oneself in an attempt to avoid the responsibility of their own freedom.
1: Stay, stay, stay now, now, Stay hear me,
0: there Hear me out, hear me out We gonna stay here for a
1: minute Maybe uh, we,
0: we, we might stay here for an hour uh, that's
1: that's, anyway. that's Yo, say that again before you oh, go on so, Say that again, right. bro so,
0: According to the 20th century existentialist philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre mm-hmm. There are most people Most people When confronted with the reality of their own freedom would rather avoid that freedom and return to a state of inhibition and self-consciousness that he calls inauthenticity or bad faith. That's and bad good. bad faith—the philosophical definition of bad faith—is a lie to oneself within a single unity of self-consciousness.
2: Mm, and what so- is
0: What this lie does is it actually changes us from human beings into objects. Now, stay with me. I'm trying, bro. John Paul Sartre gives two examples, Jason. By the way, you can find these examples in his treatise on existential phenomenology called Being and Nothingness is the name
1: of the treatise. Being and nothing. Y'all see Tim right now. Y'all see why this is my boy and why we be having conversations like this. Because, sheesh, go for it. So,
0: so he gives two examples, right? And our listening audience, these are very practical, real world examples, and he, you, you, you appreciate them. I know, I know, you'll appreciate them, Jason. Mm-hmm. The first example he gives is of a woman who's out on a date with a man, and the old adage there is that men want only want one thing is very much alive and well in this woman's mind. Mm-hmm. And she's sitting at the table with him, and he's holding her hand, and he is, in contemporary terms, quote-unquote, spitting game. And mm-hmm. she is listening, and he propositions her for a nightcap or some other sort of sexual dalliance or rendezvous. And she doesn't say uh, and oh, as he's as he's doing this, he embraces her hand, top and bottom, and with his top hand, he's caressing her. She doesn't say yes and reciprocate his caress because she knows she would be giving in to his advances. And she doesn't say no because she doesn't want to reject him either. And so her failure to make a decision transforms her hand that rests, according to Jean-Paul Sartre, quote, inert within the warm embrace of her companion. She has effectively turned herself into a thing because she has refused to be free. But what she doesn't realize is that her refusal to make a decision is itself a decision.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: And so Sartre says we are condemned to be free. Our freedom is inescapable. How we handle our freedom is always a choice. And many people would rather retreat to an object like state that doesn't authentically make any decisions and step out and do anything affirmative because it's too uncomfortable it's too hard Mm -hmm. the responsibility freedom comes with responsibility and according to jean paul sartre many people don't want that responsibility so they surrender their identity they surrender their freedom Back to the world in exchange for the peace of mind that comes from living for others at the expense of yourself because freedom is too
1: hard. This is why we started the podcast, y'all. Y'all hear this right now? This is why we start. Tim and I be having, let me say that, be having conversations like this. Did y'all hear that? Like, the your lack of con let, let me translate your lack of action is in fact action and it's probably the default action not probably most certainly according to jean paul a default action that is against yourself that causes you to be an inanimate object being affected negatively in the wrong way is that mm-hmm. Is that what
0: we're talking about? That's what we're talking about. Here's another example, Jason. Jean-Paul Sartre says, I'm sitting at a cafe. Now, you got to love Jean-Paul Sartre because he's French, right? So most of his examples in his in his philosophical work come from French culture. So if you've ever been to France, I've never been there. Maybe we'll do a Motown Philly live from
2: Paris
0: one of these days. Yeah, I'm for it. And y'all keep downloading. Y'all watch what happened. Y'all might be over there with us. So anyway, the second example he gives Jason is he says, I'm seated at a cafe and I'm sitting there sipping on my, I guess nowadays would be your, let's make it October, a crisp October afternoon. He's sipping on a pumpkin spice latte and he's sitting there watching people and he's watching the waiter at the cafe and the waiter at the cafe is striving to be a good waiter. And he's moving at a certain angle. He drops the tray on the table with a certain amount of precision. He takes everyone's order. He writes it down. Everything is done correctly. And what Sartre says is, when I observe the waiter, one of the things I see is that his movements are so precise and careful that he is literally, and this is Sartre's own word, an automaton that he has become like a robot. Now there's nothing wrong with being a good waiter. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be good at what you do, but Sartre uses the waiter as an example of artificial standards that people set for themselves and then dive into to try to meet those standards in an attempt to avoid authentically being themselves so you would rather play a role than be who you are does that mean you have to be a waiter no sometimes it means that you strive to fill the mission of the label husband or wife or christian or pick your name or brother or sister, Mm -hmm. and you lean so hard hard into all of the societal expectations with that, that you have effectively surrendered your freedom because it's too hard. Mm -hmm. Freedom is a difficult thing because it brings with it responsibility. And you talk about self-awareness, being aware, having to now move through the world with integrity. So how many people, Jason, do we know who get married, not be in, in the church. I'm talking about in the Christian church. Mm-hmm. How many people do we know that get married because they're trying to avoid fornication and not because being married is something that they're called to do? No wonder the divorce rate is so high. Well, you know what Paul right? says? <laughs> talk talk about what Paul says, Tim. You know what Paul said in Sartrean terms. What Paul says is, look, if freedom is too hard for you, ain't nothing wrong with going on and getting married so you can legitimize sex instead of looking at a life. And if you really, if you really want to be an authentic Christian, where's right?
1: the love? Where's the love? Right.
0: Right. Where's the love for the other person? But if you really want to be an authentic Christian, I don't think Sartre would be mad at you if you looked at the road of marriage and you saw, uh, yeah, I'll have sexual desires fulfilled, but it'll really be a pyrrhic victory because I'd be surrendering myself to a bunch of societal and, and cultural expectations that are going to ruin me. Do I do that or do I face a life being single? and every day authentically decide, you know what? This is a little more challenging. It might take me a little while to get used to it, but I'm gonna do it because that's what I really wanna do. And freedom comes with responsibility. I'm not gonna marry somebody because I don't wanna be celibate. You you can go ahead and do that if you want to, but if you marry somebody because you don't wanna be celibate before too long, you are about to be married and celibate, and that's a tragedy. <laughs>
1: You signed up to not be celibate, ended up celibate anyway. Ain't that a ended, damn shame?
0: Ended up celibate and married. Now that's a disaster <laughs> right there. We, we, you know what we're going to have to do? What we're going to have to do is an episode on sexless marriages and communication. Wow. Because <laughs> what we're talking about now, I, I said we can't have a lot of guests on that. Right. I don't know if we could have a guest on there because you know you start getting people who are. I mean, if you are, maybe the marriage ain't sexless no more, or maybe they ain't married no more. But right. it's going to be a, a hard pull for us to bring in guests who are still in that situation and who just need to have
1: an outlet. And they ain't right? going down. I mean, we could we could smuggle somebody in, but we
2: <laughs> we smuggle
0: a few people in. With, we're going to have to put some aliases and some voice distorters. We're going ha- we're going to have to treat them like we would treat a mob witness in front of a grand jury. Cuz they coming after. Yeah, But but you get the you get the picture, right? You don't You don't do things. And this is what we talk about here at the Motown Philly podcast, right? You can't have authentic communication, authentic connection and authentic community if your approach to life is fundamentally inauthentic and in bad faith. Mm. If you would rather be a slave to societal expectations, than be a free human being that faces life with courage and the courage of your convictions then then go for it but if you want to do better if you want to live well and and not just live long right because mm-hmm. one of the worst tragedies is to live long and live sick and i don't mean physically sick
1: right or visi- <laughs> visibly sick like in- internally sick internally yeah yeah in terms of your mental and emotional right right well
0: being so, you know, Jay, these are the things that are on my mind as I think about this topic, man. Self-consciousness versus self-awareness. I think Jean-Paul Sartre advocates a sense of self-awareness that says, hey, I'm aware of my freedom. And you know what? I'm going to overcome my fear of it because in every moment, and you have said this a lot, and this has kept me going some days, Jason, mm-hmm. every, every moment of every day, I am choosing this. I'm choosing it. Right. And it's empowering to know that you have real choices in your life that can guide you away from inhibition, from an unhealthy sense of inhibition into a much more healthy, well-rounded sense of, of freedom and responsibility for that freedom. And it again, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, Jason and I don't have it all together. I, if I, if y'all can see the things I'm struggling with right now, y'all be like, yeah, I, I feel you, Tim. Right. You know, so those of you who are listening out there again, and we say this all the time, right, Jay? We don't have it all together. Nope. We really don't. I mean, in a sense, this podcast is therapeutic for me and Jason because we know that somebody out there is listening to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it, somebody out there is going through the same things that we're going through. Right. right? So uh, that's where I'm at, Jay. I mean, we at some point we got to get this thing right, and and it's not easy.
1: It's not easy. Um, it, it, it's not. I think the fact that and you know communication is the bedrock in this 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 particular episode really focuses on that internal communication that we had. It's so understated. Is it's not it's not promoted it's not a thing it's it's not a buzzword in in our society but having that internal communication uh, free and clear of what is non-toxic and what is not dysfunctional and understanding why am i doing what i'm doing is this hurting me is this bringing me life is this giving me more years is this hurting other people around me am I doing this in secrecy when will I stop doing this can I stop doing this should I seek help for doing this like having that consistent continual dialogue inside of yourself going on day to day not being distracted of all the things that you and I know we have to do Checking in with ourselves, having a, a a friend or a partner who we can have, you know, see, you know, life conversations with. How you feeling, Tim? Like before, Tim and I hopped on this hot podcast, and we didn't. This is not something that we. Have expressed to each other, yo, before we start our podcast, let's ask each other how we doing. It's just some like we're Tim and I, we know we we, we sacredly hold space with each other and know that we are we are individual human beings and we have feelings, thoughts, and emotions. And before we go do a task, a loving task like this podcast, we check in with each other. How was your day, Brody? Like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? what happened um and 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 vice versa like we those things are 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 conversations we have to have with ourselves first like i don't think tim could ask me ask me that question and have me respond in 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 an appropriate way if i wasn't asking myself that question before he asked it Cause I could give him, yo, I'm good. He not Tim can read me like a book. He know I'm lying if I'm just like, yo, I'm. He know it's surface. He know it's just a curt answer. Like being real with yourself, not just real, but then having that conversation of how healthy are you? How healthy are we? What what are and what are the steps are we doing to get out of this dysfunction? Mm. Ugh, this is just it's necessary. Yeah, it is. It, it is absolutely
0: necessary. It's necessary to check in with yourself regularly. To check in with each other, and and I think you know, Jason. One of these days, we need to have a we need to have a call in number on our podcast, right? And we need to have folks just call in and share their thoughts on on the show and get a chance to chop it up with us. Uh, Jason and I have have a lot of interesting things in the hoppers, but one of the things that Jason and I are committed to. Is actually living these principles of communication, connection, community in our lives. I had a conversation this week, Jason, with a student and the student said to me, what do you do to translate your more, your views, your moral and your, your, your views on moral philosophy into your relationships? wow this is coming from a student what a question a sophomore Mm -hmm. in college right and she forced me to think about it and i did think about it and then i realized that the moral principles i have in my life that i try to translate into relationships are integrity compassion and gratitude i try to live with an honesty and honesty toward myself and others i try to live in a way that i exhibit mercy All of us like to receive mercy, but very few of us like are quick to give it. So I strive to be merciful, to be compassionate, and I try to live by gratitude. I try to acknowledge that what I do, I don't do on my own. My goodness, you know, we talk about thanking the listening audience. I need to take a minute here, and I know I do it every time I post in the Motown Philly Facebook group, but I'm grateful for Jason because if Jason didn't edit and do all the post recording stuff, we still be somewhere around episode zero, right? So I, I don't ever, you know, I, I try to exhibit gratitude, especially if my day's not going well, if things aren't doing exactly the way I would like to like them to go. What I have to make sure I do is recenter myself and talk to myself about how grateful I am for just certain basic things like my health, my strength. You know, I have a place to live. I have food to eat. I have friends, I have family, you know, all of those things, right? And and so we, you know, those are the things I, that I think, Jason, so when, by the time I finished answering that student's question, she just looked at me and she said, wow, that's a really detailed answer. I can tell you thought about this. And I said to her, I said, well, I really do try to live by it and emphasize that word try because I'm not perfect if i could ever live up to my motto that would be fabulous integrity compassion gratitude maybe i made the motto what it is precisely because i could never live up to it that means i have to keep crying right that means i have to keep striving for it Mm -hmm. and and maybe that's where i need to be maybe that's where we all need to be but i'm just grateful to be able to go along this journey with uh with you jason and with the motown philly listening family Because as I said, we don't have it all together, but you know what? We can all work on getting there together. And that's the beauty of the community that we have, the connection we have and the communication that we give here. Right, Right, Jay? I mean, it's a beautiful thing, man. Motown Philly is, Motown Philly is becoming a mentality.
1: That's true, man. Um, I echo those same sentiments, Uh, what we do and what we talk about. we show up every week and hold these core principles of communication and connection and community it is something to live by and hopefully as you guys are listening to this you are you truly take in the sentiments uh, of what we believe is a movement you know and this is these these three words these three c's of uh, communication connection and community it is it is a principle. There are principles to live by. And if you are doing these in in ways in which Tim mentioned um, a level of integrity, a level of um, compassion um, and a level of gra- uh, gratitude, you're just you it's a pure way, not a perfect, not a perfected way, but it's a pure way to strive. And and, and nothing's really pure. It's just it's a definitely a North star uh, to to consider in your daily interactions first with yourself and and then with other people. And I, one of the takeaways I am getting uh, that's really resonating from what we talked about is that freedom comes with a price in all in all things and in all ways. And it starts with you, whatever situation that you find yourself in and you feel like you're stuck or you feel like you're in a rut or you feel like you're in a cycle of dysfunction, you're not free. You're not free. However, with some solid introspection and some small action steps, and that could mean that could mean therapy, um, consistent, persistent. And I do believe there has to be a level of desperation as well if you find yourself in a consistent cycle of what is not healthy what is dysfunctional where where it has you on a emotional roller coaster that you can almost tell cl- by like a clockwork cycle you're in a you're in a way that's that that it, that is more than uncomfortable with you and you're t- sick and tired of it um reach out to a healthcare professional and be serious and be committed and you can move away from where you are more and more to closer to where you want to be. Um, and freedom, freedom is, is, is not easy. It comes with the price. Um, but the first step, first step starts with you and Tim and I got your back. Absolutely. Jason, we absolutely have your back and
0: just know that in the motown philly podcast facebook group you can interact with us at all times about about anything and and we're hoping that this community will grow i mean i wanted to make a couple of observations jason one about your statement that freedom comes with price the great abolitionist frederick douglas in his 1845 autobiography titled the narrative of the life of frederick douglas the subtitle is written by himself in those days when slaves wrote narratives of their experiences they had to include that phrase because the southern propaganda was that they had white abolitionists write the narratives for them and so frederick douglas wanted to make sure that everybody knew that he wrote this himself right so he frederick douglas if anybody wanted to be free it was frederick douglas And he talks about how once he got free, he longed, part of him longed to be a slave again. Because once he saw how difficult freedom was, once he saw how easy it was to remain in ignorance and think that being a slave was his destiny, he understood the burden of freedom and he said, I often wished myself to be a beast, anything to be free of thinking. In other words, Douglas long before Jean Paul Sartre is saying that that slavery, chattel slavery at times to him, when he, when he really saw the reality of freedom for what it was and the responsibility that he that devolved upon him because he writes about this in his 1845 narrative when he says now all of a sudden I knew that I was not only responsible for myself, but that I had a responsibility to make sure all the
1: other slaves got free too. Mm -hmm. It's an exhaustive work, bro. And we're talking just about the individual,
0: right? I mean, we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest, you know, the greatest intellectuals in human history, right? Who, who who decided for himself that in certain moments, it was preferable to be a slave than it was to be free. That being being a slave was preferable. I'm sorry, I, didn't mean, I don't know if I said that right. Being a slave was prefer, prefer, preferable to being free. And, and as you said, Jason, freedom comes with a price. And for Douglas, that price meant that he now now that he was literate he taught himself to read he understood the meanings of words now he had a responsibility and when he wrote those words he was fulfill- he was fulfilling his responsibility why cuz he wrote 3 autobiographies he wrote he didn't write just one of them he wrote 3 of them The Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass in 1845, My Bondage and My Freedom in 1855, and in 1881 or 1882, I think it's 1881, he wrote The Life and Times of Frederick Douglass, right? And he spoke and his correspondence and his speeches exist today as a monument to his legacy, right? Which is a legacy of the importance of being free and what it meant to be responsible. Oh, that you and I, Jason, could ever, could ever embrace the responsibility of our freedom the way Douglas did. And here's that right. our listeners would do it. Here's the,
1: way. here's the thing, bro. That's yo, what you just said was powerful. Too powerful, right? Here's here's how I break down a little bit of what you said. Um, Frederick Douglass. Though I believe he had those moments of wishing, because of the 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 constant t- tyranny, if you will, on his intellect to strive and to push not only himself but uh, a people forward from what was chattel slavery. Those moments were probably fleeting, um, even though or tempted, uh in a in a way that was tempt- had temptation of just exhaustion, just. Just dripping all over him But because And this is a phrase We have not said yet Because not only It was Not only he knew That it was his responsibility And I believe that was Some of that Some of it That drove him This is what I also believe And this will This will This will resonate Deep within your soul I know it will Not just because Of the responsibility That he was compelled To do all the things That you just mentioned All the All the great and, and magnificent and monumental things that he just mentioned. But the other thing that I think was to his core, once he began, or even maybe before he began to, to to educate himself is the fact that somewhere, somehow deep, he loved himself enough to keep going. I love
2: myself.
0: Yes, sir. I love myself listen let me tell y'all something one day one day my hope for you as you listen is that you will realize how short life is and that you will tend to your freedom with the same urgency that Allen iverson played basketball keep going. I feel it. I feel you. Somebody asked Allen Iverson how he dropped 58 points on the Toronto Raptors 22 years ago in a playoff game. And Allen Iverson just looked at the reporter and he said, "Man, I don't know. I just play every game like it's my last." Mm. What would happen if you start living every day like it's your last? <sighs> what would happen if you woke up every day and you said, "You know, I know I'm not perfect, but you don't have to be perfect to be good." What if, what if I just keep striving? What if I, what if I take one half a step forward today and I'm a little bit better today than I was yesterday? That's it. That's all we can all be afraid of our freedom. If we see it in the long haul, right? It's the long road, but all we got to do is take one step forward every day. And so that's what we want y'all to do. That's what we're here to do. That's why we're trying to communicate this so we can connect and build community. Mm. together Mm. so we don't want to sit here like we're pontificating about all the great mysteries of life and we have it all figured out and we have it all together no we don't in a sense we're here sort of reaching out to you for help because we crave community we crave connection Mm -hmm. and that's why we communicate so when you look at what we've talked about this week right jason you see you see the the self-consciousness on one side you see the self-awareness on the other and if you think of self-consciousness as Douglas being in a state of chattel slavery having <laughs> to live up to expectations Douglas has this wonderful part in his autobiography where he says the slave master named Covey he says had had dominated him And Douglas says to the reader, he says, you have seen how a man was made a slave. I am now going to tell you how a slave was made a man. Hmm. And he stands up and he fights back against the racist overseer, Covey. And from that day forward, he didn't get released from slavery, but he writes that Covey never bothered him again. Because he finally had the courage to stop being self-conscious and start being self-aware. And because he made that journey down that road of self-awareness, that's why we have the Frederick Douglass that we have today. Y'all want to achieve immortality? Frederick Douglass been dead since 1895. And here we are in 2023, still talking about him. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you want to you want to begin to live your life with some sense of purpose. Stand you, up. So you, it gets... want better communi- you want better communication. You have seen how I became self-conscious. Now you're going to see how I became self-aware because mm. another part of Jean-Paul Sartre's philosophy is that traditionally in philosophy, every existence has an essence that precedes it so if you take a a pen a pen is an object that exists but it has an essence it has something it's supposed to do that precedes it Mm -hmm. so the pen doesn't really have any freedom it can only do what it's designed to do And when we look at being self-conscious the world has a way of constructing an essence for us Mm -hmm. that precedes our existence and many of us rather than be free and make choices and be responsible decide to just allow the essence of what the world has said to determine our existence but john paul sartre said something jason you know what he said he said My existentialist credo is not that essence precedes existence, but that our existence precedes essence. And who we are is a result of the free choices that we make. Mm. Mm. And so a pen or a pencil or a knife or a car or any object, they can't, they can't do anything, but what? they are designed to do. So they have an essence that precedes their existence. But you and I, Motown Philly listening family, me, Jason, everybody out there listening, our existence comes first. Mm. And our essence is determined by the free choices that we make going forward as radically free and responsible beings. How will we exercise that freedom? Is it intimidating? Yes. Is it worth going from self-awareness to self-consciousness? I don't think so.
1: Mm. Mm. I'm sorry, y'all. I got a little into it there. No, don't no, apologize. It's-, it's not worth going from self-awareness to self-consciousness. It's worth going from self-consciousness to self-awareness.
0: And I do believe our friend Paul has something to say about this. Paul says that when you go back to your sin, it's like a dog going back to his own vomit. And if you want to go, if you go from want to go from self-awareness to self-consciousness, it's sort of like going back to something that's going to make you sick. Mm. Something that's going to keep you sick. Does that mean you won't go back to it from time to time? Does that mean it's easy? No, it just means we all got work to do. And Jason, here's what I always say. Why not do this work together? Why not do it connected? Why not do it in community? Why not do it through communication? Man, we can do this, y'all. Jay, can we do it?
1: We got this, bro. This is what we're building. Listen, I really believe we're building a movement. You guys, you guys are. And you guys are all witness to it and are a part of it. So listen, we wrapping up today. This was a this was a banger. Mm. <laughs> this was. a love- This was a good one. You guys share this one to your people, share this to who you know, that it might help resonate, might touch, might change, might make a transition or make, just make a, 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 someone change from one direction to another. They just need some help or some encouragement. This thing was encouraging for me. Was it encouraging for you Tim?
0: uh, was fabulous, man. It was definitely encouraging, definitely uplifting. Y'all don't even know. I'm talking to myself half the time. Y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know what your boy from Philly is going through. I be up here having these conversations with myself live on the air. I'm up here hiding in plain sight. Y'all better pray for me because I'm far from perfect. But you don't have to be perfect to be good. And you don't have to be perfect to be better than you were yesterday.
1: True. Jay, where can they find you, boss man? You guys can find me on Instagram at the speakers mechanic and you can find me on LinkedIn communication coach, Jason Hall. I'm that guy. If you need that help professionally for your, for your business, for your entrepreneurial endeavors, if you're trying to communicate a message to those who you serve or the product that you provide, come get at me and we can do work in the space that you want to excel in when it comes to your communication and and being consistent and concise and speaking with a level of boldness and authority, get at your boy. I'm here. Tim Golden, where can we find you? You can find me on the gram. Oh, Lord, have mercy.
0: The gram, the gram, the gram, the gram. You can find me on the gram at a good golden man. You can find me on Twitter at D.R.T.J. Golden ESQ. And you can find me on Facebook at Tim Golden in Walla Walla. Three things in life are absolutely certain. Death, taxes, and I am the only black man in Walla Walla named Tim Golden. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Listen, y'all. Go to the Motown Philly Facebook group. Share your comments. Share your love. Share your criticisms. We all, we're not perfect. We don't pretend to be. We all going through this together. We all just hope that we can make our lives a little better better each day. Communication, connection, community, uh, that's what we're about. And I hope in this episode we saw that if you are self-conscious, you are frustrating your communication, your connection, and you are depriving yourself of a community that can be life-giving and life-saving. Until next week, y'all, we out of here like Vladimir.